Welcome back to America's Talking. I'm your host, Austin Berg. Today, I am very pleased to be speaking with Daniel P. Calderon. Daniel was a human resource leader at companies like Amazon and Target for nearly a decade before he launched his own firm, Connecting Businesses with Elite Creative Talent. He now works as a brand strategist and is the president of a great organization called Entrepreneurs of Tomorrow. It is focused on providing accessible business education for black and brown youth. Thank you so much for joining America's Talking, Daniel. It is a pleasure, Austin. You made me sound so um, interesting. So thank you so much for that <laughs> intro. <laughs> you are interesting. And I was so excited that the timing lined up for us to talk this week because I had one of my favorite days of the week this year, which was career day. Hmm. And I have a friend who has worked as a high school counselor at a school in Chicago for seven years. And I go every year and every year I walk into this school and it's, it happens to be, I think it's 98, 99% black students. Mm -hmm. And I will go in there and I will have a completely different experience almost every year, partially because my job changes. So I'm just like nervous about talking about my own job, but also just observing how quickly trends change and what kids want to be. Like, I think when I started, it was almost exclusively, I want to be a professional athlete. Half that's been eaten up by like YouTuber and gamer. Yep. And those things have become so much more popular, especially among the young men. Mm -hmm. But I was, I'm always sort of feeling like I'm not giving the proper mess. I try to share as much and be as honest as possible about things that I have learned. But I just don't understand what the most important thing is to get across to kids about how to choose a career and how to how to think about that. So I'm just curious if there are any folks who are speaking with a lot of especially high school youth, especially from under-resourced communities, how do how should we talk about a career or what to pursue as a career? Yeah, so I, that's that's a, such an interesting question. I wish I knew the answer to that, but I think um, um, like this, these times that we're in now, it's all about conversation. It's all about kind of learning and growing together and figuring out um, what is next and what is the most important thing um, to focus on. Because really, how can you really create a curriculum around something that's so fast changing? You know, what was important last year is not important to, um, today. The I think the most use word of the the most popular word of the year is nft you know where last year was coronavirus and you know so mm. I think who knew that nft would be the most one of the most popular word, words of the year you know so that's how that's just an, one small um example of how fast the world changes and what people's focus is on because now there's so many businesses now created with NFT. And when you look at the VC space, um, billions of dollars of valuations of companies that weren't even thought about um, a couple of months ago. So I'm excited about just being in the space of learning and growing and kind of creating labs so that we could, um, you know, we can create solutions that are custom to one, a person, a human, and then custom to what the environment around them, um, how that environment operates. So, so it's a non-answer. No, that is that's a really interesting answer because it's sort of like uh, it's teaching life skills more so than um, teaching kids about like, hey, if you go to trade school, you can get a good job. It's more about you should try a lot of things and see what you like and pursue that thing that's most suited to you. But what does that what does that like actually look like? What does that conversation actually look like with a with a student? So, like for example, it seemed to me there's sort of every year. I don't want to like make it too binary, but it seems like there's sort of two groups of kids. One are kids that 
want to pursue careers, if you ask them like what their dream job is, it's something that's in their family that other family members have done or something that's popular. So like I would put like YouTuber in that category. A lot of kids, a lot of especially female students want to be nurses because they have a lot of nurses in their family. And then there's another group of kids who are sort of like, there's one young woman who I was connecting with an animator on our team who's like, I want to be an animator. And I'm like, how did you think of that? And she's like, I just love Rick and Morty and I love cartoons. And I thought like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to pursue being an animator. And that's such a different mindset. So when you're actually talking to the student, what are you telling them to do to pursue what they want to pursue? Yeah, so I, th I think I'm talking and figuring out what is it that they like want to pursue and then just giving them the facts. Hey, these are the jobs out there. These are the jobs mm -hmm. that are being predicted for the future. Right. So I think it's all about providing the most amount of information so that, um, you know, young humans, young adults, right, because they're adults, can make decisions on their life. Um, in the conversation I've been more so interested in is like, you know, the we talk about these careers in terms of you know, money or in terms of, you know, how much someone would earn, you know, that was and, the most common question I got, by the way, every year is how much mm -hmm. do you make when I sit down? Exactly. You know, so then I started thinking about, okay, so why don't we have that conversation? You know, how do you earn? How do you own? How do you, you know, because mm -hmm. with my future kids, um, I, I intend to be very wealthy, right? And so that they can do what they want to do so they can be a, a contributing member of society. Um, so I think that's what's important. So if I, I was born and raised in a mindset of having to survive, right? So the conversation was about what kind of job are you gonna get so that you can make enough money to be able to support your family, to pay bills off, to whatever the situation is. So it's very situational. So I rather have the conversation with these um, young minds about, hey, do you know you have such an amazing opportunity? And if you save $100 per month or $50 per month and the power of compounding interest, you could literally be a, a millionaire and you could literally have the freedom to do what you need to do and to contribute more to your community. So I think that's the conversation and the mind shift of the conversation I'm having in, in regards to career. Um, like, what do you own? And mm. what do you most, what is the, what is the thing that you're going to be the best at so that people could actually get that from you? What was the most, I remember we were talking and you, I think, told me you came from a family of strong female entrepreneurs, especially but what were those conversations that did you realize that you were from a family of entrepreneurs? Were you naturally drawn to it? Like, what were those conversations no. that you were having when you were a kid about that stuff? That was amazing. I was just in Miami and I took the opportunity because I don't often do so to visit family members I haven't seen in a while. So I decided to um, visit my uncle and um, he's going through a tough time. His daughter was diagnosed with a very rare um, um, disease and she's fighting for her life every single day. And I see him t telling me about his life and he wants to meet up with me, but he's busy. So he's behind the laptop and I'm thinking I'm just disturbing him. I want to see him, but I was like, this is, this is about him. So I just want to be in his world. And he's, um, you know, he has a business where um, he does like shipping. So he manages a whole bunch of truck routes and he's on the phone. And I was like, wow, this is the family I come from. He's an entrepreneur. And he literally is so busy man managing his life. And, you know, I've had like 
you know, ex-partners and, you know, friends that said, I'm too busy and why are you doing this? And I'm like, oh my God, this is this is me right here. So I, I, I love that, in, you know, part of what we do at Entrepreneurs of Tomorrow is, you know, one of the powerful things, like if we didn't create an uh, entrepreneur, which we did, which is amazing, um, the representation of that is what's powerful because I didn't know that I learned that from him um, and mm. you know, part of someone that I haven't seen in years, unfortunately, um, we're so similar, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Cause I, so another thing that I think I've seen, I don't, I'm curious if you've seen this too, over the last maybe five years, a lot more kids were asking, are you your own boss and saying, I want to be my own boss. So they weren't using terms like entrepreneurship, but it was a lot of this idea of, I want to be my own boss. And the understanding of that varied a lot between the kids too. Cause some of them are, you can tell it's like, maybe their parents are like complaining about their boss a lot. So they don't want to be a person who has to answer to a boss. And then other kids are like, oh, well then I can make my own destiny if I'm my own boss. Or I just want to be like the adjective. I want to be like a boss kind of like person. But I'm curious if you see like, are there some kids more suited to entrepreneurship or do you think all youth should be exposed to that in some way? Do you know what I mean? Like, are there, are they yeah, born? Do some yeah. kids need to be that? Or is it, is it, is it okay to tell a, a person, Hey, not everyone should be an entrepreneur. You can be an entrepreneur about your life, but that doesn't mean you have to start your own business. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. And I think, um, it just depends on what kind of entrepreneur. There's so many different shapes of that. And I think if you're looking at this very binary definition of what entrepreneurship is, um, yes, you're right. Um, but I think all of our kids need to be owners. Mm -hmm. You know, they need to be able to have a good high financial acumen. They should be able to project manage their life in a way that provides wealth and happiness and all of the things that we hope that you know humans could experience in their lifetime so i so i think not, not everyone is going to be a finance person not everyone is going to be a person that is gonna have a retail shop and have employees and all this other stuff but you could literally be an entrepreneur and not have that any of that stuff Right. You know, so right, I, think, right, right, um, right. I would want, you know, all of our kids to, to be entrepreneurs, you know, um, and own things and be and and it, part of the mission of the organization is to solve problems to entrepreneurship. So if we create more problem solvers, I think that also would kind of reframe what entrepreneurship is and how people think about it. I'm glad you mentioned the wording you use around that, because I had a question about the wording you use, which is you do not use a term that I always see. And nonprofits in this space, which is that their target audience is at quote unquote at risk youth. And you do not use that term. And I wanted you to speak on why you don't. Yeah, we're not at risk. Um, black and brown youth are not at risk. Black and brown youth are most times at risk because we're putting danger or the environment that they're placed in is just not suitable for their growth. Um, so why focus the word on the risk piece of it when it's something that they can't control? So I think mm -hmm. what they can control is their promise. What they can control is the habits that they um, learn every single day or the habits they unlearn. Um, and having more of a positive spin on how we approach it, um, that's where we're going to probably see a lot more positive results. But if we focus on underrepresent, under is just so negative, you know, mm -hmm. um, at risk. Risk is so scary. 
you know, and, you know, uh -huh. why? Like, so I think that's just not a good way to approach it. You know, um, philanthropy that is done based on guilt um, is just so empty, right? So if we push something that is just so positive and people just want to be a part of, part of that positive movement, I think um, we would, one, get the people involved that we want to, that's going to help us, mm -hmm. um, and also just get better results. That's really, I love that. So we are, you, you were just talking about before we started taping, you were at Art Basel, and I remember seeing from cooler people than me videos of this big, cool, like drone light show thing at a Louis Vuitton show mm -hmm. after Virgil Abloh passed away. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here in Chicago, and he was obviously a big part of Chicago's cultural evolution, a really important figure here. And I think he will be considered as a sort of an Andy Warhol level creative talent maybe of the of the 2010s or of the 2000s and i'm just curious as someone who's been in the creative field for a long time and operates in the art world as well what his legacy is to you or what what do you think is sort of the most important thing about that we should take away from his life and his his career yeah you know the thing i love about virgil um Abloh is um he's just so smart and he's a weirdo and mm -hmm. I think that was mm -hmm. like, that was the first thing that I just thought about, you know, how mm -hmm. smart he is and how much of a weirdo he is. And black people are not often represented and shown like that. Mm. So that in and of itself, yeah, head designer of Louis Vuitton, worked with Kanye, was an architect, did so many amazing things. But the fact that he was just this odd character that was the coolest person ever. He was like a Willy Wonka kind yeah, of a guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Fascinating, you know? So I think in, that's when you reframe what's possible. And when you're thinking, of, when you say that um, kids now are talking about, I want to be a boss, why is that? Right? Popular culture made that happen. Rap music, television, figures like Virgil, um, Kanye, Jay Z. Um, Obama, the James mm. Cole Juniors of the world, like every one of them that really has broken through barriers and showed up and represented us, that's what changes culture. So that's what I'm excited to continue to play in. Got it. And shout out James Cole Jr. We'll get him on the podcast. He'll be maybe <laughs> yeah. the next the next guest. So um, I was struck by, I don't know if you read the New York Times obituary uh, of him, but I think it was in like the second or third paragraph of that obituary mentioned the the something like the at times controversial or some some sort of phrase like that and it was linked and i was so confused i was like what is this going to link to he seemed like the least controversial guy like he was just mad like you were saying like he was just sort of this magical weirdo opera like that was so prolific across so many different fields and I had totally forgotten about the quote unquote controversy that they were talking about, which was during the George Floyd protests, he had a friend's streetwear clothing store in LA that was destroyed and looted. And he commented under that video and he said, I pulled it up because I, this was fascinating to me and I wanted to talk to you about it because you're very engaged in these social issues and you're an entrepreneur which is what this gets to the heart of what he was talking about, I think. And he said, quote, this disgusts me. We're part of a culture together. Is this what you want? When you walk past the store in the future, please have the dignity to not look him in the eye, hang your head in shame. 
And I think he later apologized for that and said that wasn't the appropriate thing to do at the time. But is was that a fair criticism of him at that time, in your opinion? I think that time was just very messy, you know, mm -hmm. and it was, it was filled with a lot of emotion. And if anyone is similar to me, I could, I'm a Taurus, I could be very emotional and I could say things on the moment that it was very true for me at my feelings at the time. Um, and it's maybe true after of my feelings after, you know, someone is offended by what I said. Um, so I can't judge it. You know, I like literally don't have an opinion on, you know, his statement or if it was appropriate or not appropriate. I understand the PR piece of it. I understand right. that because um, I used to work in that space. Um, mm -hmm. I understand cancel culture um, because, you know, I've experienced some of that as well in my lifetime. So. I would uh, suspend judgment of that particular statement and um, really speak to people's humanity. And, you know, uh, what would you do if someone looted your store? Mm. And that, so that, I would just ask that yeah. question, you know, and, you know, whatever that answer is for you, then, you know, I respect that. I had, I wasn't even thinking about this until you were talking about Art Basel in Miami. And obviously the mayor of Miami has been really, really adamant about bringing crypto and blockchain businesses to Miami. Some people criticize them as like being way too flashy. Some people are like, hey, it's bringing business to town. I think where the Miami Heat play is now named after like a crypto exchange or something. It's 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 becoming a very big industry there. And I'm curious specifically how you see crypto and NFTs affecting the world for creatives, and especially what it seems to me, the, the big innovation to me seems to be around kind of their their ownership of their own work changes and especially the idea of like hey if um if virgil abloh is virgil abloh today and he was starting he was 21 and he made a residual off of every resale of something he designed because it was built into the blockchain that he was selling it on that's maybe a very different world maybe he doesn't work for a louis vuitton maybe he's his own he creates the next louis vuitton um, which is not to say that off-white is not, but you know, it, his his trajectory could have looked very different. How do you think that space uh, affects the creative field? I think it's fascinating. I think it's exciting. I think it's scary. I think it's um, risky, like all of those things. And um, in, it, it, that's exactly what kind of investment you need to be in. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, if you look at how unicorns are, are formed is like one of the highest risk of investment from a VC perspective. So um, I, I'm excited about the space. I think um, when you look at, at the, I think I forgot the state. Um, I forgot the stat. I could be wrong. Maybe at the end of 2022 or something like that, the creator economy is going to be like a three billion um, um, dollar market um, mm. value. Um, and when you also look at the stats, 90 per, sorry, only 1% of um, folks in the creator economy are making above almost 100,000 or something like that a year, which is not mm -hmm. a ton of money um, in the grand scheme of things. So when you look at like 99% of folks in this industry, this $3 billion industry is really not profiting from it. The beauty and the utility of NFTs has a lot of promise. We have to figure it out. It's a new space, like, you know, just like the internet was um, super new and no one knew what it was and everyone was just super um, um, scared about it. 
um, or conspiracy theory-esque about it, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think is a good space to be in. And that's what we're doing at Entrepreneur Tomorrow um, with our latest um, NFT drop. You know, it's really, we don't know much about the space. Um, we know what we do know. We know what everyone else knows in the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we want to play in the space because how we're going to learn about it is to actually do it. How we're going to learn about it is to work with some of the top law firms in the the the, the U.S. to figure out what does IP look like, what does the contracting look like. Um, we, how do you work with designers and um, royalties, and how do you do in partnerships with other brands? You know, so we did that in this first go, and it was such a beautiful experience. Something that college would have never been able to teach me, you know, and mm -hmm. you know, now we can use that as a vehicle for um, raising funds for a nonprofit, you know, so the, when, I, when you look at the utility of NFTs and what you can do and the creativity around it, um, it's just fascinating and phenomenal. And I'm just glad to be able to be in the space. You mentioned college education. How hard should we be pushing a college education for just an, an average kid? Like I noticed that so many schools that I visit it's you got to have your college logo on your locker or something like that. Um, and that seems to preclude a lot of other options for people. The co-founder of my business does not have a, a bachelor's degree. And he's mm -hmm. one of the smartest and, and hardest working people that I know. But you also, you know, want to have kids with a dream of maybe achieving that goal if that is what they want. So how do you talk about college education with young people? Yeah, I, I, I love college. You know, I think it's it's great. Um, and then there's pieces of college I didn't like, right? Um, so I think is more so what is your plan? And that's what we're mm -hmm. teaching all young kids. Like you have to have a plan. If you don't yeah. go to college, what are you gonna do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You can't just say, Oh, I don't want to go to college and just think things are just gonna happen for you. Um, because these institutions do exist. And even though some of the, um, you know, some of um, what comes with these institutions are not as positive um, to society when it comes to elitism, when it comes to just a lot of different things like that. Um, but I know a lot of people that went to elite schools and, you know, they had a very, very tough time. But at the end of that experience, they got what they needed to get um, out of that, um, mm -hmm. whether they're in the education space, whether they had to get a PhD for a particular reason. So I believe in higher um, education. I think the um, the construct of it is could uh, use a lot of work. Um, um, but I think I believe in education in general, right? And mm -hmm. however, whatever your plan is to get the education, however you can access that, I think you need to make sure you have the best strategy to for you to get to you know the finish line. So. Uh... I respect uh, Daniel's work as a brand strategist very much. And I think I need your help branding this segment of the show. Oh. <laughs> because at the end, I've got like questions. I wrote I, like pointed questions. I'm just like, this is the rapid fire section. But rapid fire section is not a good name for the end of the show. <laughs> so think on that. Yes, but if yes, you're willing, sure. I have a, a, we'll close with a few rapid fire questions, if that's OK with you. Sure, sure. Who is the most important musical artist to come out of Brooklyn? Oh, this is supposed to be rapid fire. I would say uh, Biggie. Which industry is eating up too much creative talent relative to the value it provides society? So Social say media. fashions. Ooh, I spoke over it. Say that again. Social media. What piece of film or art in general best captures New York City? 
the godfather daniel p calderon thank you for joining america's talking it was great speaking with you no problem it is my pleasure